0: Hello and welcome into another episode of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. Uh, if you can't tell, I am not Cade Webb. This is Dustin Ragusa. Cade is a little under the weather, so I've got with me today uh, Joel Pinfill. Joel, what's up, man?
1: How's it going, Dustin?
0: Pretty good. Uh, Joel's a staff contributor for Cowboys Ride for Free, and he does a lot of awesome things for the site. I'm, I'm actually going to go ahead and have him plug a couple of those right now while I'm thinking about it. So, uh, Joel, uh, tell, the people, tell the people what you do here at well, right Drive for free.
1: So I guess it doesn't hurt to have a shameless plug in here, but no, I do the uh, Two Minute Drill, which is a Periscope Facebook Live show Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the evening. And then I also do the Bushley podcast with former Oklahoma State pitcher Trey Cobb, and that should be coming out later this week or early next week. We should get another episode out for you.
0: Yeah, that podcast is awesome. It's awesome you got Trey on there. You guys, uh, You guys kill it
1: all right well thank you we we weren't able to do it last week I had, a, I had a busy week so did he and it didn't work out but we're hoping to be able to get together tomorrow night after the basketball game and knock one out for for the site there
0: well that'll be awesome and to find the bush league podcast we're kate and i've just been putting it up uh with our podcast so if you want to listen to it same soundcloud itunes it'll just be called the bush league podcast instead of cowboys right to free the podcast it'll have a different episode number so look out for that and uh yeah, it's a lot of good stuff coming from Joel. He's got unsung hero, a bunch of stuff he puts up on the site each week. So uh, he's our uh, he's our main utility guy. So he's the he's the man. But well, let's go ahead and start. We're gonna try to keep this pretty similar to how Cade and I do it. Uh, Joel's listening. Joel's uh, Joel kind of knows what we do here, so we'll just kind of keep it like that. But. We're going to do a top three. We didn't get a lot of suggestions on Twitter this week, so uh, step your game up, listeners, please, uh, so we can give you a free t-shirt.
1: So you, got, you yeah. guys got free merch coming out. Like You, might, you guys <laughs> need to get on it here.
0: We've given two out so far. Uh, I'm sending the second one out later this week to Evan, who won that on Twitter from last week. So send those in. We'll send you a shirt. It's free. Uh, it's pretty cool. Makes the muscles look big if you, uh, if you fit into it, so, you know. Pretty cool shirt there, but we're gonna go ahead and do our top three. Joel came up with this one before the show, but we're gonna to do top three college basketball venues that you would like to go to. We'll go down from three to two to one. Joel, start us off with your number three.
1: All right, my number three this was kind of tough because there's so many different places, and I'm just a sportaholic to begin with, so there's a lot of places I want to go. But for me, my number three was Assembly Hall in Indiana. And that's been the Hoosiers have played there forever. And for me, like the the way I did, it was just thinking about like the history of the places that, you know, people are, you know, the teams play and man, there's just a lot of history at Indiana, Bob Knight throwing the chair there. And I mean, it's just like the venue is just, I mean, it's really big, you know, it's kind of spread out, but it's loud. And when you can feel that energy when you're watching on TV You know that that's a special place to watch a basketball game, especially when it's a Big Ten game against you know Michigan or something like that. Michigan State, whenever they come to town, you know it's going to be a fun game. Oh yeah, that
0: that stadium gets super loud. The students, everybody in the student section is wearing those candy uh, candy cane striped pants. Those
1: are the most disgusting (laughs) things ever, but they've been there for so long you can't get rid of them.
0: Yeah, I had a couple buddies in Houston that went to Indiana and. They were the most passionate basketball fans I've ever met in my entire life. So, I think it'd be—I think that's a great choice. I think that's a solid number three. Um, okay, so for me, I'm gonna go number three. I just went with the biggest—the biggest arena I could think of, the Carrier Dome, where Syracuse plays basketball and football. But just a lot of great Syracuse teams over the years. Looks like a cool place. I know it's a little older, but looks like a really cool place to watch a game and just to be in a college basketball arena that size. Be pretty wild. So I think I think it'd be fun to go watch a game up there in Syracuse.
1: Yeah, they darn near sell out more basketball games than they do football. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, Syracuse has played a pretty tough football schedule this year so far. Yeah, they,
1: they still beat Clemson. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, so my number three is a Carrier Dome. will throw it back over to you for number two.
1: My number two, and this is a place I've actually been to. Um, I'm from the Kansas City area, so KU basketball is like a religion. But Allen Fieldhouse is my number two. And the rule is it's not my number one. It's because I've been there. But it is absolutely incredible. If you have never been, you need to go. It absolutely should be on any sports fan's bucket list, of a place to go whether you're a KU fan or not. It is absolutely unreal. They sell out no matter who they're playing, I went with a couple buddies last year, and they were playing Sienna, who I'd never even heard of until <laughs> I saw it on the schedule, and there, w- and there was, I think, eight empty seats is what I saw.
0: Did it get pretty loud in there?
1: I couldn't. like my, my ears were ringing after the game, <laughs> and they were playing Sienna. <laughs> so, is that, the only, that that's the only game you've seen in there? Uh, no, I went a couple years ago. My dad surprised me. We got tickets to an Oklahoma State KU game. Now, granted, this was when the Morris Twins were still there, Brady Morningstar, so, I mean, Oklahoma State lost by like thirty-five, but I didn't care, I was an Allen Fieldhouse, it didn't matter. And I, I was I was one of maybe like fifteen Oklahoma State fans in there, like my dad included. And I'm standing there and I'm in my all-orange, I'm excited, and they did the rock shock jayhawk around the stadium, and it sent chills down my spine. And I looked at my dad and went, Okay, this is ridiculous. <laughs>
0: They, were, they, were they pretty nice?
1: The fans, uh, at... They're pretty good. All things considered, yeah. they're, they're not too bad. They know that you're there and you're in a minority so they don't really need to ridicule you. You're already there.
0: Yeah, I'm sure they're a little
1: cocky too. Oh, absolutely. It's KU basketball. That's all they have. So, of course, they act cocky about it. It's like OU football.
0: Alright, that's just another solid pick. I actually like your list more than mine. But I'm going to go number two. I'm going to go with Kentucky, Rupp Arena. Just, you know, growing up, an SEC basketball fan, growing up in Baton Rouge, LSU fan. Kentucky, it was just so fun to go watch them play in the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. They were always good. They always beat LSU. No lie, under my breath as a little kid, I was rooting for Kentucky. They were like my favorite team of all time.
1: <laughs> That's like blasphemy.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I would, lo- I would love to go see a game there. Just think it would be a fun place to play. And they like a Kansas, like another school that's not great at football, their fans are super passionate, and I'm sure it'd be a fun time to go tailgate for a basketball game and get into Rupp Arena and watch uh, watch Calipari and his boys do work. So that's that's my number two.
1: I can't stand Calipari, but man, that team is so good that I just
0: it's ridiculous. And they're, just, they're always just so rangy, athletic, and just fun to watch. I just it, think it'd be a fun college basketball game to go see them play anybody.
1: Yeah, you might you might as well go because they're not going to be there next year. So <laughs> it's just one and done. And just bring in the new crowd next year.
0: That, that is true. And then they'll be in the NBA so you can say, hey, I sound like I play. Exactly. But uh, All right, so give me your number one.
1: I mean, it's pretty obvious, but Cameron Indoor. I mean, that's that. It's small, but man, just the hype about it, and the student section is just right on top of, you know, right on top of the the game. You know, they're always crazy, and you know, it. I mean, people are camping out for months for one game. I mean, it's incredible with you know how passionate they are about basketball and how they've been that way forever. And again, it's kind of like KU in that it doesn't matter who they're playing. You're they're going to sell out and they're going to be loud. And it's just like, it's one of those, I don't like Duke because they're so good. It's kind of like Alabama football. Like, I don't care when they win because they've been so good for so long. I love Coach K, but it's always great when Duke loses.
0: Yeah, that would be a crazy place to go see a game. It is so tiny. Correct me if I'm wrong. The student section is mostly grad students, right? Probably, yeah. I think you have to, like, get in line to get those tickets. And you don't get them until you're like a senior
1: or grad. No, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's not even like a lottery system like they have at KU. Like you just line up and you just camp out and hope for the best.
0: Yeah, that's so wild. It, it's so crazy to me that such a uh, such a prominent basketball program is such a small stadium like that. But it would be ridiculously off. like what have you got to see UNC do in Cameron oh, oh my god!
1: I wouldn't want to leave <laughs> because it would just be oh that would be incredible.
0: Which is a nice segue to my number one. I'm going with the Dean Smith Center, UNC, Tar Heel Blue, MJ. All the all the greats have come through UNC. Uh, similar to a lot of the schools we've mentioned, but you know everybody everybody's secretly a little bit of a North Carolina fan. Their uniforms, their colors, just their history. Michael Jordan going there. I just think it would be awesome to just be in that area of the country and go to a game over there. It Just seems like a really cool. Really cool place in general in Chapel Hill, and
1: I think it'd be badass to go see a game there. Absolutely. So who did you have for your honorable mention, if you had any at all?
0: I don't think I had one. I couldn't really think of a fourth one when we were talking about it. Did you have one?
1: Yeah, mine that I had, I had to actually look up the name. I just knew the school, but Florida, the O'Connell Center, and it's kind of like Duke in the, in the sense of like the student section's just right on top of the court. So it, may, it makes for the atmosphere be, to be really fun. And I think that would be a fun place to play. I don't necessarily know how big it is. It doesn't look huge, but I think it's a pretty good-sized arena for basketball. And I think that would be a pretty fun place to go watch a game, especially when Kentucky comes to town.
0: Yeah, that I really like their their court, their floor yeah. like, with that big gator head and everything. I think, I think
1: that's really cool. But it's got to be kind of that's weird so for I you to talk about, especially as an LSU fan. you kind of praising yeah. any school in the SEC.
0: <laughs> well... LSU is not normally very good at basketball. They've had some years with Glenn Davis, and obviously back in the day with Shaq and guys yeah. like that. But you know, I, I usually would just kind of go to watch the the Kentuckys and the Floridas. You know, a little that's little, fair.
1: Yeah, that's about uh,
0: Little Mike Miller, little uh, Kene little uh, Rajon Rondo. You know, guys mm-hmm. like that. So yeah. But uh, but yeah. Okay. Well, that was our top three. That was fun. Again, Joel's suggesting. Joel's killing it on the podcast right now. Just uh, suggesting top threes coming on uh, on a moment's notice. So, Cade um, just couldn't make it to his flu game. So, sorry, Cade. Can I?
1: I'm play, I'm I'm, pull, I'm I'm coming off the bench.
0: <laughs> well, okay. So we're gonna move in. We kind of did this last week. We normally do one big thing right now, but. Since basketball started and football's still going on, we want to have some room to talk basketball. So our one big thing is just going to be the basketball team again. So, Joel, I know I know we were talking before. We both haven't had a ton of time available to watch these first two games. But thoughts so far on what you've seen, what you've read, just overall take on Mike Boynton's first two games, first two uh, victories for the Cowboys?
1: I mean, obviously expectations were kind of low once Brad Underwood decided to leave. And that was just kind of the general consensus around campus was just like, we went from probably going to be a top three team in the conference this year to now probably bottom third or at least you know we will probably finish fifth or sixth. But this team's actually pretty good, and I think they're surprising yeah. a lot of people. I mean, granted, we're playing Pepperdine, and I mean I don't even know who we played Monday. Who was that? Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. So I mean, it makes
0: the tournament sometimes. Yeah.
1: So I mean, it's one of those like you know they're not playing great competition, but their defense looks really good. Like they're forcing a lot of turnovers. It's similar to last year. They look better, like you know, on the wings at least defending, and they're forcing you know the forcing turnovers, forcing bad shots, and they're getting opportunities on the other end just you know from speed. And I think that is going to make a difference. And obviously they're still trying to adjust with Jeff Carroll being out at least for a little while longer. Devon Dillard, we don't know how long he'll be there. So trying to work matchups and um, just trying to work you know different matchups and different sets and that'll come with time. So to the people that are being overreactionary like oh we suck on defense, like you're not watching the game. Like you're not seeing that we have so many so much youth out there. They're still trying to find their legs.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. You can you can tell the defense, you can tell there's a little bit of a wrinkle from Mike Boynton in there. Yes, but they de- they definitely look good. It it seems that they've been able to kind of move move smoothly into his system. Like you said, it's not a lot different, but they're definitely very active, and like you said forcing turnovers, I think the defense has looked really good, my questions are kind of coming on the offensive end, now I do love Kendall Smith, and what I really love, Kate and I actually talked about it on the podcast before the season, we did like a mini basketball preview Kendall Smith is obviously like a 6'3", 6'4", guy who can play off the ball and we've seen Boynton put Ava Red out there at the 1 and Kendall Smith at the 2, and I really, really liked that you can't do it against all teams based on size and everything, and Kendall Smith's defensive ability. But when both of those guys are out there, two solid ball handlers who can both set the offense back up, it gives you a lot of different op- options, especially in a college ba- in college basketball when you can do stuff like that with kind of a short or two guard. So I've really liked that. But my concern has just been it kind of looks like they're running their offense like they would do it. Kind of slow motion in practice sometimes. Like they're spreading the ball out, a lot of passes, but the screens are kind of weak. They're, the movement, the cuts aren't really hard. It just and that's literally me watching a little over a half of basketball so far this season. But it just doesn't look like they're not trying. It doesn't seem like they're trying to score out of these half court sets. It looks like they're kind of going through the motions. I mean, have you seen any of that at
1: all? Yeah, when I went, I went to the exhibition game for a half for the uh, Arkansas Monticello. They put Arkansas Monticello. I went just for a half. And from what I saw, yeah, you're kind of right. It, was almost, it almost looked like the Travis Ford offense of dribble around for 25 seconds and then try and make something happen at the end of the shot clock. But there yeah. wasn't, But it was like there was a little more ball movement in it, but they were still it was kind of waiting till the end of the shot clock. And they just looked like they were going through the motions at times. But I think part of that was just, this is an exhibition game. They're working on things. So I don't think that's really cause for concern. I'm going to be more concerned in Big 12 play if they're doing this again. But I like you were talking about having Brandon Averett at the one and then Kendall Smith at the two. I love Brandon Averett. I, I loved him last year. I mean, he obviously, he had the freshman jitters at the beginning, but he really came into his own and he looks like a legit starting point guard. And I'm watching him play, and on the offensive end, he looks like Jawan Evans.
0: I see what you're saying with that. He can get into the lane like him and kind of hesitation dribble and be able to make a pass or go up with that floater, Yeah, which is a which reminds me a lot of Jawan. He's got great – I mean, just I don't want to get too overblown with, the, with them at the one and two, but I just love it because they both can handle the ball and they both are obviously skilled point guards, but Kendall Smith knows what to do in that two-roll. It looks really good when they're both out there, but like I said, you can't do it all the time. But I like that Juwan Evans – comparison a lot
1: and I, I even think because Jawan can defend a little bit but Brandon Averett's a really good defender and I mean oh, yeah. full court the, the thing that I saw at least when I went to the exhibition game he was guarding guys 85 feet and I mean he was just an absolute gnat I mean granted he's 5'10 so he's not a big dude but he was just right up in this guy's this point guard's grill causing turnovers just because he was there and when you have that ability, like, that's the kind of guy I love to watch. Because, I mean, not to be a high school hero or whatever, but, I mean, when I played, I couldn't shoot for anything, so I just played defense. So, when I see anybody that takes pride on the defensive end, I automatically love that guy.
0: Oh, yeah. He's uber aggressive on defense. And, like what you're saying, that kind of guarding 85% of the court like that, they're also doing a lot of trapping past half court, Yes. Which, I love which, it. Which I which I also really enjoy. I love the aggressive defense. Obviously, you can get hurt doing that, which we saw with Brad Underwood, the Brad Underwood coach team early in the season last year. But I think they've got a nice balance of it. And so I think they look good. But going back to what you said at the very beginning of the conversation, Kimpom.com has Pepperdine as the 294th ranked team out of 351 and Charlotte at 204 and then Oral Roberts, who we take on tomorrow night, they've got them, I think, in the 240s, yeah. so we're not really thinking, we're not really no. able to kind of base anything off this, and and obviously, you and I both know that, but it's fun to watch them play, and we've got a good test early on, on Monday against A&M, they're, they're a top 25 team, Ken Palm has them at 9, I think they're 16 in the AP poll, but... We'll see on Monday. I, I'm extremely nervous about it. Yeah. I, I don't know how we're gonna do, but it, it's definitely it's definitely fun. It's definitely fun right now, and it's gonna be fun to watch this team grow throughout the season.
1: Absolutely. Like, I people are like, "Oh, this team's just gonna suck to win eight games." I'm like, I think they'll finish fifth. I think the in Big, Big Twelve as as good as yeah, in the Big Twelve. I mean, I think it's not that the conference is down. I think it's just like everyone kind of hit that rebuilding process. Obviously, with except with the exception of KU. But yeah, I think yeah, Iowa State. A lot of question marks. Yeah, because I think Iowa State's going to rebuild a little bit. Obviously, losing Monte Morris and Nas Mitchell Long, like that's tough. Baylor, right. kind of the same thing. Like they had a bunch of seniors that were really good, Motley and uh, Ishmael Wainwright and some of these other guys. You know, so I think Oklahoma State. I think if they can stay middle of the pack, I think that's a successful year, considering the expectations that the team had went before Brad Underwood left. New coach, you got two seniors, one really an impact and one really. Not sorry, Mitchell Solomon. But you know, we've got a Man. young team. It I mean I think this I think this team could actually be pretty good and I think they'll exceed expectations.
0: I do too, and honestly, anything's gonna be successful over dead last so yeah. I, think this yeah. Is a good call. I I could possibly see him fall into more of the sixth seventh spot, but it just when we get Carol back the thing is, when you've got a player of that caliber in college basketball against a conference that has a bunch of question marks, when you've got a close game down the end of the line, you can give the ball to a guy like that, and he can win you a game.
1: Yeah, and I think and, people I, have, think,
0: and I think that's going to happen several times this season.
1: And I think people are forgetting about Yankuba Sima as well. You oh, got yeah. a six. You got a six eleven rim protector that can also play a little bit of a like a stretch four almost.
0: And when can he play? December?
1: D- uh, January. I think he can play January. like right as conference play begins.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a big, thick dude.
1: Yeah, because so. I think that, obviously, Solomon and Gasson, they're still going to get minutes. But I think that takes pressure, obviously, off a guy like Mitchell Solomon, who has to be a rim protector at 6'9". It's just not going to happen. But when you got Simo, who's 6'11", and big, and then you got Gasson as well at seven foot, and he's put on a little bit of weight, and he looks more confident, you got three solid 4's and 5's.
0: Yeah, no. I, I think it's going to be a fun season. To to you fans out there, it's going to be frustrating at times, but absolutely. I think I think it's overall going to be fun. Before we move on to our Iowa State recap, initial thoughts when you saw that dunk by Everett?
1: I I wasn't there, so I. But I was checking through Twitter like I do almost compulsively. But I was sitting watching, you know, watching TV, and I looked and I jumped up out of my chair and went, "Oh my god." <laughs> And I watched it about 15 times before I showed my roommates because I just could not believe it. And then I showed them, and we were, like, running around our living room, like, what just happened?
0: Well, I, did, I ended up putting a video on Twitter because that was, like, a couple minutes after I would flipped my computer open to watch the game. And right after the dunk, my wife was watching some show on TV. I, I wasn't really paying attention. Probably, like, This Is Us or something. But... I was watching that dunk and my first thing I said out of my mouth was like can he dunk <laughs> like obviously he could because I just saw him but I had no idea that oh I didn't know
1: he had, he had that in him like at that. all yeah, he rose so up that. like Devon Diller.
0: yeah that that was awesome it was funny to see Boyden's comments after the game uh, yeah. seeing, he's seen him miss that way many more times than he's making in practice so. but I
1: mean just even that like that shows his aggressiveness and teams have to respect when he gets in the lane Oh, so yeah. here's no, no. so I can I can just see him doing that again, and teams shift over to help, and he's got an easy dump off to Sina Solomon or Gasson for an easy layup, like that. Just that kind of aggressiveness just leads to points, and he's got the vision as a point guard to where he knows he's probably not going to dunk on someone who's six ten, but he can just dump it off for an easy assist.
0: Yeah, ex- explosive poster dunk is definitely a nice thing to add to your arsenal. When as you're basketball yeah, there.
1: especially when you're about five nine.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I think that was some good basketball coverage there. And Kane now I'll get into it a lot more. And Joel will definitely get into it more um, in some of the videos he does. And I'm sure they'll get into it on the Bush League podcast too. But we're gonna move on now. We're not gonna spend a ton of time on Iowa State because we got a bunch of stuff up on the site. Joel's done his uh, two minute drill recap, so we're gonna talk a little bit about it. But let's go. Let's maybe kind of break it down. Both sides of the ball, Joel. Let's start off. What do you think overall of the offense? Mason Rudolph, Justice Hill, and the O line. Just kind of break it down for me.
1: See, so, yeah, I mean, I've seen every game of Mason Rudolph's career, and for me, this was one of the best three games he's ever played. Truthfully, like yeah. the the top three games that I've watched him play, and not this this isn't the games that are like gaudy numbers or you know whatever you know five touching and whatever it is. For me, the three best games he played were this one. TCU in 2015 and K State in 2015, and for me, it just that he just Celtics. looked say he looked confident, which is something that we're not always used to seeing with him. And he just sat back in the pocket and made the easy throw. And we they OS, OSU didn't really push the ball down the field too much. They really just stayed short to intermediate, and just took what the defense gave them, and Rudolph made him pay the whole game. He only had six incompletions, and I think three of those were drops.
0: Yeah, no, his movement in the pocket, I don't know if I've ever seen him do that. No,
1: he not, was, he was improvising but, like Baker Mayfield. I mean, yeah, not like running not around like an idiot, out. but, but right, just... Right, right. The,
0: the, like, like you're saying, not like Baker Mayfield, and not like we've seen Mason do before. He's been able to get outside the pocket, even though he's obviously not as quick as some of these other guys in the Big 12. But he's been able to get outside the pocket, but I'm talking about him just shifting a little bit to avoid the rush, Iowa State was only bringing three, we were getting pretty good pass protection, but Mason was just able to maneuver, they dropped Joel Lanning back, I, I, I'm sure you noticed it, but they dropped Joel Lanning as a spy yeah. a couple of times especially yep. when it was third and long and he would come up on a delayed rush at Mason, and Mason made a miss several times, there was one time, I think it was like a third and 13 in the third quarter Mason sidestepped him, looked like Ben Roethlisberger just kind of shedded the tackle and completed a throw downfield it, it's awesome, I I haven't seen him do that consistently throughout a full game before. No, like
1: it, it was incredible. Like, I'm watching this game, and I was down at College Station with my roommates this past weekend, and we were just sitting at the you know restaurant right across the street from the hotel watching the game. And I was sitting there, I'm like, this is one of the best games I've ever seen him play, just as overall game. It, it was incredible.
0: He looked great. So, what would you think about the O-line overall pass and rush?
1: I, I didn't think they did too bad. Um, like we said, there were times when there was a little bit of a pa- uh, breakdown in pass coverage, but the run blocking has been incredible, like it has been all season. I mean, there, there were a couple times where Justice Hill kind of bailed him out and still was able to get five or six yards, but overall, I, I was pretty impressed.
0: Yeah, so was I, and... Adam Watt pointed this out. His pistols firing segment. I was noticing it during the game, but I've never seen us pull.
1: No, I've pulling never like really seen that like
0: that, like th- like that. I mean, obviously, all teams do it on powers and stuff like that, but we we're pulling a lot and double pulling the tackle on the guard. It looked really, really good, especially when you got guys like Johnny Wilson out there in front. I mean, the dude, the dude's a- the dude's a good lineman. He's yeah. not amazing, but he's going to be great. I mean, what is he, retro freshman?
1: I think so. Retro, freshman or sophomore. Either way, he's going to be around yeah. for a little while.
0: Yeah, so those guys pulling like that, honestly, I think that Justice might have messed up. A, not, Justice just an awesome game. He's an awesome running back. But because we don't pull like that, he needs to he needs to hesitate a little bit yeah. on those blocks. And on those counters back when he— uh, He was almost when, out yeah. running
1: his blocks.
0: Yeah, when the, when the Cowboy back's going to come back on that counter block, he's got to wait a little bit, but I thought they did pretty good. The pass protection was great, but, you know, as we mentioned already, there's a three-man rush, so it should be good. <laughs> but yeah, you, you would think, think
1: five on three that there shouldn't be any sort of, you know, reason for Mason tough to, to get out of the pocket at all. Right, but there,
0: there's no no criticism for me really on the path There was three guys rushing. They should have blocked him. I thought they did block him for the most part. There, there was some lapses, as you mentioned, on the uh in the run blocking, but you know some of that might be on hill a little bit. But I think these guys, I think these guys are pretty in sync and doing a pretty good job in run blocking overall. Like a couple lapses, you'd like to see it a little bit better when we're going to commit to the run like that. But definitely, definitely pretty solid. And then just give me your just give me your justice hill take. I think I heard it on your two minute drill, but. Uh,
1: Oh man, he he's incredible. Like I knew he was going to be good this year, but I didn't know he was going to be this good. Like I I saw what because coming into the year when I you know kind of previewed the season as a whole, I said I think he's going to be good, but I think that we're going to pass so much that he's not going to get the carries. Well, turns out it's been the other way around. We've been almost relying on him at times. But it was that Tulsa game just at the beginning of the year where he's jump cutting and stiff arming people. I went, oh, this dude's going to be a monster. (laughs) And he just keeps doing it every week, and he finds ways to just, you know, make something out of nothing. And just make guys miss in the backfield. And even if it's two or three yards, it's like, that should be a four-yard loss.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Gundy has talked about that in the past when our running game has been down. You know, you can't blame it all on the offensive line. You have to have a back who can make a guy miss. He's got to be able to make one guy miss because there's going to be an extra guy on defense when you're giving it to the running back. So, Justice Hill has that, and you know what? I mean, he's not a huge guy, but he'll run somebody over too. Yeah,
1: like that on that fifty-yard run. Uh, they got us down to like the two-yard line. He ran someone over and didn't miss, didn't break stride.
0: <laughs> yeah, he he's powerful. I mean, they showed uh, they showed that clip of him powerlifting in in high school <laughs> during the last game, and the dude the dude is just a beast. But um, he's He's gonna be awesome. I'm so glad we. Get, he's only a sophomore because it's gonna be awesome. But see, I, um, Yeah. See, I, just, I
1: said it. I. I really think he's gonna be like a top four back at this school by the time he leaves, and I think he'll be a four. I think he'll be a four year guy. I don't. I don't think he'll leave after next year. And if he stays for all four years, man, that's just something special. That yeah, we got. It's,
0: it's definitely gonna be fun. He's. It's going to be a lot on him next year, too. Him and J.D. with with the quarterback question marks up in the air. Yeah. It's going to be a lot on them. So, okay, before we move on to defense, quick receiver take, Aitman, Washington.
1: Aitman's a say? freak. Aitman's just an absolute freak. <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. – it's unreal what he can do. But, I mean, a lot of that's a credit to Mason for putting it where only he's going to go get the ball.
0: Yeah, and it's not so much the fact that, like, obviously he can jump super high – but his timing on those jumps—that's the thing. When when people call him when people call him Mossell, it's not so much the, the jumping ability, of Randy Moss. It's the timing part. Right. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's incredible what he's been able to do, and you could tell like Mason was so happy being in here to have him back. He he talked about him. I saw an interview. We talked about him for like three minutes. This is about how good it was to have him back because he's just like a security blanket guy. It's like okay, third and six. All right, I'm gonna throw you a ball, and you're gonna go get it. And you know he's going to come down with it.
0: Yeah, it's just un- like not only his, not only the, his ability to go get the ball, his ability to know where the where his feet should be to, to plant them in bounds, the way that he sh- uses his big body to shield defenders on those comeback and curl routes. It's just it's just amazing. So is Washington? How hurt is Washington, man? I I, I know you know playing sports growing up, ankle sprains that sucks or, as a receiver. Or, that's hard. Yeah, I mean he 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 can't accelerate. He can't do what he does with the accelerate when the ball's in the air with his ankle like that. No. It's also hard to cut it.
1: Yeah. I mean, one catch for 25 yards, I was surprised he even played, if we're being honest.
0: Yeah, put Tyron out there.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, I'm on the free Tyron train just like you are. And we saw him what? And the only time we ever really saw Tyron with the ball was when they shipped him into the backfield like the Chiefs do with Tyree Kill.
0: Which I do like. I do, too. You to set that up. You have to yeah. set it up. It can't just be put put Tyron in the backfield and hand him the ball. He's got to be back there, and you got to run some RPOs and some fakes to him. Off right?
1: That. No, I agree. Really no, I love the I love the formation and the play call. And I but I just want to see it run. Like you said, just run something a little bit different. But yeah. yeah, it well this this week will be a huge test if Washington's healthy, and I hope he is because I he can't have another game one catch for twenty five yards. You know, even if he even if it's like four catches for. 65 and a touchdown Like that would be Huge but The thing yeah. is It's not even It was weird That Mason had One of his best career games Without his number one target Which that's just a credit To how many great Wide receivers Are at the school
0: Yeah that is really strange But Gunny talked about In the press That he was a decoy And that's cool It worked in this game Yeah that's not going
1: to work Two not- weeks in a row
0: well, it's not going to work now that he told everybody either, so yeah. Yeah, it, hopefully hopefully he's healthy or hopefully we'll, we're, we're able to rotate him out a little bit more. Yeah, We'll see, but before we move on and I'll let, I'll let you do your final take on the game, I just want to say that I think we have the best blocking wide receivers in the entire nation, and I don't, I don't watch film on every single wide receiver in the country to know about their blocking skills, but Dylan Stoner, James Washington, they, I hadn't seen it from them last year as much as this year, but they're great blockers. Washington blocked great in this game. Two solid blocks.
1: Yeah, that was one thing uh, Mike Gundy talked about in the press conference. He was talking about, you know, the two best plays that James Washington made in this game weren't even when he had the ball in his hands. It was throwing a block for somebody.
0: Right, and then Aitman and Lacey might be two of the best blocking receivers in my like, college football history. Oh
1: no, Chris Lacey's you know, he he hasn't had the year that I thought he was gonna have. I, I kind of thought he would have a almost like a Marcel Aitman type year. But no, he's still throwing blocks for guys. You know, it's just like a selfless sort of thing. It's not something you wanna do as a wide receiver. But they're making it work yeah. and they're just playing for their team.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. The uh the Cowboy backs should learn from that.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I've seen Br- yeah. I've seen Britton Abbott <laughs> and Abin- finfeyaki whiffs so many times I'm like that's that's your job <laughs> you're it's well, not even like we're using you as a receiver this year like we did with Jarwin it's just run blocking
0: they always miss the linebacker when he's going to the outside every single time Yeah, <laughs> yeah yep it drives me crazy but any uh any final takeaways on the game overall I thought a good game the defense the defense didn't really look that great. I guess we kind of skipped over the defense but we can we can talk about them for a few minutes I, the line I, they were getting some penetration just again
1: just having a some little trouble bit late make
0: the plays. yeah having some trouble making the plays
1: yeah it was like they they were able to get pressure but just too late
0: it was yeah, a ju-
1: yeah. it was like just enough that they couldn't they just couldn't get to him but then they started getting to him at the end which, yeah, the defense was not good the entire day, but they always they found a way to just put it together at the very end. <laughs> and it, well, they made it work. And I didn't think A.J. Green or Darius Williams played that well at the beginning, but in the fourth quarter, they were playing great coverage, knocking the ball down, and they had a little bit of a swagger to them, which I love to see. Like, it's not even like an arrogance. It's just like, yeah, I made that play. I'm supposed to make that play. I'm actually pretty good at football.
0: No, I, I love that swagger out of them. But I want to go back to something you said the defense giving us a chance at the end of the game to go out and win. This this time it was us, you know, with the lead being able to take to take it away. And they gave us some chances against OU late. They played. Yep. They did not play good against OU, but they gave us some chances late. And like you said, the, the, the penetration of the line is good. Walter Shy and Trey Carter played great. They Played great. It's just overall as a unit you want to see more. And then the tackling, man. I mean, that it hurts. It, it absolutely that was hurts. Down right.
1: Yep. Uh, I think yeah, that's what one thing I've seen from Chad Whitener all year is that he tackles at the shoulder pads. I'm like, dude, you're gonna get run over every single time.
0: I don't know how he missed that one. He was
1: he, if, he had like, him. Yeah, if you if you hit him at the legs, he's down four yards short. We kneel out. We don't have to worry about a 50-50 ball.
0: It it honestly looked like on NFL Blitz when the computer like comes back, like it makes you come back. Yep. When you're, when you're winning <laughs> by too much, like he he had him and then just missed him and then. You know, I love AJ Green. I think he's a great cornerback, but that dude hasn't used his arms to make a tackle. No, he
1: hits with his shoulder and hopes but that he they go down. He's do it. Yeah. So. but I mean, Kirk, Kirk Tucker did it, and yeah. that that was the hit of the day.
0: <laughs> special teams.
1: Yeah, he just came down, and I went. My Marissa was like, "Oh, he just killed that guy."
0: <laughs> no, that was uh, that was awesome. But yeah. Overall takeaway: defense. In, you want you got to see more out of the defense overall. Yes. Um,
1: Especially this week. Especially this week against K State's a disciplined team. And you miss your and it's a touchdown. Right. But
0: overall, you know Iowa State's a solid football team. They are. No, they are. absolutely you're right. right, on the road. right. I, you know, Gundy keeps pulling it out. Credit to him. I mean, any final takeaways for that game?
1: Uh, no. I mean, like I said, the defense got the big stop. Um, they they that was what that was all they needed. I mean, they just needed one big stop and they got it um they, they're playing it's almost like 2011 in a sense of just like there may not be the greatest defense but they give just enough opportunities yeah no i i think so too and
0: yeah like i said i, I don't really want to talk about the interception because i think that the photo where green has it with both his hands and against the chest and he's on the ground is an interception you know i'm
1: pleading so. the fifth on it because i've seen it from so many angles and i see both sides
0: yeah, I mean, they called it an interception on the field. There's no way they could overturn it. I guess I could see if they called it a catch. Also, no way of overturning it. Right. But the, the way they called it, I don't think there was any way to overturn it. Exactly. That sucks for an Iowa State fan, but, that I mean, they watched the replay, too, and I feel like there's no way that you can really argue with that. No,
1: with that there, there isn't. So. Before we Before we move into the K-State game, Jersey thoughts from Iowa State.
0: about it in the Slack chat. I, I hate that helmet. <laughs> oh I've always hated that helmet. See, yeah. I love the I love the brand. I just I just the helmet's too much and I, I really don't like that barbed wire down the middle. I do like the gray pants. I just thought overall it was kind of a weird look, um uh, mainly because of the helmet. So I'd probably go like a C because I like the gray pants and the white jerseys. But um yeah. I think they could have done something else. what, what about you?
1: So I'll say B minus I like the barbed wire sparingly. And we've seen it twice yeah. this year. We don't need to see it again. I, I don't mind it. I prefer the black face mask to or the orange. But, you know, whatever. Hey, but, yeah, like I like the black, white, gray. Um, it's a solid look. We've already seen that a couple times. Like, I want to see him shift it up a little bit. But overall, it wasn't a bad look, I don't think.
0: Okay, well, let's move on to this week. Um, I'll kind of do what I've done, what I usually do with Cade. I'll just give a quick preview of the offense um, and then a little quick preview of the defense and then we can break it down. Joel and I, we know we're going a little long. We're not going to do the Big 12 picks, obviously, since that's a me versus k thing. So um, we wanted to spend a lot of time on these recaps and give you guys uh, a lot of analysis there <laughs> if, if you enjoy it from us, um, or us football guys. But uh, let me go ahead and get into this K-State overview before Joel and I break it down, but Offensively, what we're going to see from them, Bill Snyder hasn't hinted at all who's going to start a quarterback. But what we have is Jesse Ertz came into the year, seasoned veteran for them. He's been sidelined with a knee entry for a while now. It's There's been rumors that he's going to come back the past several weeks, and he just hasn't. And I just don't know now if you even bring him back with some of these young guys and Alex Delton and Skylar Thompson. So we've got Alex Delton. His – brains are basically scrambled eggs right now (laughs) he's gotten concussed or concussion like symptoms in the past uh in two games before the West Virginia game and he just hasn't been able to come back in so in all likelihood it's gonna be redshirt freshman Skyler Thompson getting the start but all three of these guys are dual threat guys Ertz is probably the best passer out of all three of them but Thompson has an extremely extremely strong arm What they like to do, though, so you can't load up on the run against them because they obviously have a good running back in Alex Barnes. They've got Justice Selman back there. And what you've got to do – what they've got to do to get you to not just completely load up on the run is they use a lot of these run pass options, which everybody does in the Big 12. But what they do is they do it more out of the quarterback. So what you'll see is a QB power look, and then Thompson will step forward a little bit read the linebackers, read the end, and then he'll make the throw if they come up and cheat on the run over the top on a slant, over the top on a post. So it's a little weird looking. People think that K-State's offense is real slow and methodical and simple. And it is slow, but it's definitely not simple. They use a lot of different wrinkles. Bill Schneider calls it a single wing, which is the offense that Pop Warner made up. So it's very old school looking. They use uh, Dimmel, their fullback, kind of like OU does with Dimitri Flowers. He's actually the offensive coordinator of Dan, Dana Dimmel's son. Um, he's a solid player. He beat out Rob Gronkowski's little brother for the spot a couple years ago, and he hadn't really let up since. But they line him up at the HVAC as a normal fullback. They line him out wide, do a lot of stuff with him. Their line's been pretty good in pass protection, but Thompson is a running threat, and we've seen that as a problem against OSU in the past. Uh, They've case they put a wide receiver at quarterback and cook a couple years ago and he did some damage so
1: i think that was when my hairline started receding watching osu football watching (laughs) that game
0: (laughs) definitely and thompson's a runner first but he does have a cannon he looked pretty bad against west virginia throwing two picks no touchdowns only threw it like he didn't throw it very many times at all but uh, that was his first real game to start. They run a lot of Wildcat with uh, Alex Barnes, who I mentioned, Justin Silman, and Dalvin Warmack. Warmack and Silman are both smaller guys. Wormack's 5'8". Silman's 5'10 back there. But they are both super fast. And then Alex Barnes, what I was talking about with Hill earlier, waiting on blocks. Alex Barnes does the best job of waiting on his linemen pulling blocks or just waiting on the hole to open up. Probably him and David Montgomery are two of the best running backs in the Big 12, if not the country, in doing that. And Barnes is big. He's about 6'1", 6'2", about 225. He's a big guy. K-State wants to run the football. They're one of the better running teams in the Big 12. I think they're third in rushing offense. Looked it up earlier. But they're solid overall. They're going to try to run it. That's what they're going to do. Their passing routes they run. They're going to throw it to their main receivers. They've got Brian Byron Pringle. He's a taller guy. He's been there for a while. He's their big play receiver. They've got Dalton Schoen. Another big guy, a little over 6'1". Zuber, six foot, And they've got a couple smaller guys in Heath and Harris. And then they'll throw it to Dimmel. Like I said, they're fullback out of the backfield. But the main guys to watch for them are going to be the quarterback, Scholar Thompson or whoever it is. Pringle on the outside. Dimmel, as we saw, Dimitri Flowers, at hurt Oklahoma State. And then Alex Barnes at running back, who uh, is one of their go-to guys, one of the better running backs in the Big 12. On defense... They line up in the 4-3. It's the uh, single gap, which, you know, basically that means each defensive lineman has a one-gap responsibility. The hole he's in front of, that's the hole he's going to attack as opposed to the two-gap when you could have double you have to anticipate a little bit more. So pretty kind of simple scheme. They run a lot of cover two, a lot of cover three, a lot of cover four variations. Against Tech, they even went to a dime package when Tech went with their zero personnel, no tight ends or running backs. But... They lost a lot uh, last year and Jordan Willis, one of the best defensive ends in the Big 12. They lost Lee and Moore, their two linebackers, but they've got Trent Tanking back there at linebacker. They've got Reggie Walker and Tanner Wood at the defensive end spots. They're pretty good all around. Um, their pass defense is where they've been lacking. They've got two solid corners in DJ Reed, Duke Shelley, but they're both only 5'9. That's a problem against Marcel Eatman. And then the weakest part of their defense is probably their safeties and goals being Adams. They just have not been good this year. They let up a lot of big plays, let up some big ones against West Virginia. And I think that's where Oklahoma State can hurt them because Kansas State will drop into a formation where they try to take away the big play and they still cannot. So that's basically the overview. So, Joel, what what have you seen from this year for
1: what you've watched? Well, from what I've seen, I mean, it's just been tough because they've had so many injuries everywhere. I think if Jesse Ertz was still – playing if he does but then again i've heard he's out for the year as well so i mean it's kind of up in the air but i feel like no matter who it is like there's just so many injuries everywhere and so many question marks that i just i don't know i don't feel as bad about this game as i did coming into the year because k-state for whatever reason no matter how good or bad they are it's almost like iowa state they always give osu a fight and it's it's one of those like not necessarily like a trap game but osu just doesn't they can't ever just blow them out it just never happens
0: yeah, you know they are going to slow the
1: game down. Absolutely, it's a lot of running. I just think if they've got to go with Thompson,
0: I don't think there's a way they can beat us. Not going to lie, no. obviously, but they just have to rely so much on the run. And we've been decent against the run this year. We have. We've yeah. Obviously, we've got to make the tackles, but it's definitely a weird look. I'm sure you've seen it, but it's so weird watching that QB power RPO because. He's basically running forward when he's throwing the pass.
1: Yeah, it's it's really weird. But, man, the one play that I'm going to hate to watch because I know I'm going to see it 20 times is that little delay QB run that they do. Oh, yeah. The, the Colin Klein special. That just gives me nightmares.
0: Who's their QB coach, if you didn't know? Yeah,
1: he is. Yeah, so you know <laughs> that they still run it because he's like, oh, I ran this successfully for three years and no one can stop it. Yeah, it's
0: it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an odd look. It's gonna be a different look than they've seen. Um, obviously, you know TCU has more of a run centric path or run centric style offense, and they, they were able to have success. Texas, on the other hand, was not. So we'll see how it goes. But really, all in all, it just comes down to if Skylar Thompson's playing. He's a redshirt freshman. We saw West Virginia make him uncomfortable. I think we can make him uncomfortable. We were able to make. Uh, now I'm blanking on his name. The quarterback for Iowa State.
1: Oh, uh, Kent.
0: The, the guy who came in for him. Oh, Zeb no, Nolan. Zeb Nolan. Yeah, Nolan. Nolan. I was going to say Roland for some reason. We were able to make uh, him uncomfortable at the end of the game, like you said earlier. I think we can do that. I think overall our defense, they're not a big play team, so they're not going to be able to hurt us like that. So I think we can load up on the run and be able to stop them. The thing is we've got to be able to score on offense – and we might not be able to rely on the run against this 4-3 set. I mean, what do you think?
1: So, yeah, that's the thing that's tough is that they, they were tough on the run last year as well. And I think the offensive line has improved from last year. But and like you said, if they're, like, their safeties can't really – they're not really good over the top, so they're not going to be – so if we decide to go deep to like Tyron Johnson or Jalen McCluskey over the seam, that's a touchdown. If you're 5'10", trying to go against six four Marcel Aitman, you'll lose that fight. If James Washington is healthy, you throw a 50-50 ball to him, and he's going to go get it. So I, this would not surprise me to see a game where Mason Rudolph just goes off because you, you just don't have the guys to be able to compete with our wide receivers. And I hope that we don't try and beat our heads into a wall just trying to run the ball because it's been working. If it's not there, then we need to just throw it. And if we can throw it and be successful, then I think we'll be fine.
0: Yeah, I think so too. think just overall, they they haven't really blitzed. From what I've seen, they haven't really blitzed successfully or anything. So the line should be able to. It's going to be four versus three, but I think we should be able to take care of him. Give Mason some time, and he should be able to complete some deep balls over the middle with these yeah. safeties. I mean, they are not very good. And then if all else fails, you've got, you're possibly going to have one of these two five nine guys on Marcel Aitman.
1: Yeah, Marcel like, Aitman's probably about to have players, one of the but, best games of his career.
0: Yeah, and I mean, both these cornerbacks are good, but that is a huge height disadvantage, especially against a guy like Aitman, who is not only tall, but very, very good and great at going to get the ball at its highest point.
1: Yeah, there, there's not a lot you can compete with there. It just comes down to Mason Rudolph making good decisions with the football, and we know he's going to do that because he doesn't try and force the ball too often into a place where it's not going to be there.
0: Yeah, hopefully we can get Justice Hill going. Hopefully we use the pass to set up the run. This would be a game where we have to do that against this set that Kansas State's running. Absolutely. They're going to show looks that say pass.
1: Yeah, I, I, I hope that we don't try and beat our head into a wall like we did against TCU and like we did against OU. You know, just in these games where it's like the run's not there, but we're still running right into it. Yeah. So. so-
0: What do you think, prediction-wise? Have you seen the spread? It's been hovering around 19.5, Which is just,
1: yeah, that's just bizarre, but I can see why. Like, if they don't have the pass defense and with the pass weapons we have, I can see why it's this much. Um, I think if Ertz is healthy enough to play, even if, I I just don't see him playing. And even if he does play, it's not going to be good. He hasn't played since, what, like week three or four?
0: Yeah, I think like the Baylor game.
1: Yeah, so it's been a while, and... Delton, yeah, he's been concussed so many times. I'm pretty sure that he just, yeah, he's not playing. Scott, I mean, Skyler Thompson. This is his first true road game. I'm pretty sure. I, I don't count Kansas.
0: <laughs> yeah, he really he looked pretty good in those first two games where he had to come in for Dalton, but he didn't look good in West Virginia. He looked like a redshirt freshman quarterback who yep. hasn't taken very many snaps.
1: Yeah, I, I I watched a little bit of that game just like on YouTube, and yeah, he didn't look comfortable. Yeah, he has a little bit of a cannon of an arm, but his throwing motion's so long that it's gonna take a while to get there. And if there's any sort of pass rush for Oklahoma State, they're gonna be able to get to him before he can get that throw off. All right. So if you don't have anything else, give me give me your prediction. So yeah, I I just thought of this while you were talking, and I heard your offensive breakdown. I heard you you know talking about the defense, and the minute I heard no pass defense, I went <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Oklahoma State 48-21. I think, that Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma State's actually going to win this game pretty convincingly, at least I hope. They've never seemed to make it easy against any team ever, but I, I think this is a game that Oklahoma State knows they need to prove a lot on the national scale and, and on the national stage with the playoff, and there's still somehow a possibility they could sneak in. This is a game that you absolutely need to go in and you prove that you are the better dominant team.
0: Yeah, no, I like that pick. Mine's actually really similar to yours. I'm gonna go 45-24, and I agree with what you're saying. Not only for the playoff, but for a bowl to take us for New Year's six. Exactly, large bid. Yeah. You know, uh, if you can't get, if you can't get into the playoff, you can't get into the Big 12 championship. Might as well get into <laughs> New Year's six. bowl. Well, maybe we can get yeah. uh, two Big 12 teams in there if OU goes to the uh, playoff. So we'll see. But yeah, I'm gonna go 45-24. Normally when both Cade and I pick blowouts, it's not. Uh, obviously there haven't been many blowouts this year, but even last year too. So hopefully you're better luck than Cade. And, uh, sure hope. <laughs> no, but I think that was a good breakdown. So before we uh, before we leave, how are you feeling about this TCU Tech game?
1: You know, Darius Anderson's out. I think I got his first name right. I know his last name is Anderson. He's out. <laughs> Kenny Hill is either not going to play or he's not 100%. And right. you and I are on the same page we both think Kenny Hill is hot garbage. Yes. And I have never thought he was good. He, we made the, That was the thing that made me most angry about the TCU game when we played them this year, is that we made him look like a superstar. Right. And I just... Weird things happen in Lubbock. I don't care if the game's at 11 a.m. Nick Schimaneck's a good quarterback. Kiki is a good wide receiver. I just... There is a possibility that Tech could win this game. And... It would not surprise me if they just somehow show out and win this game.
0: Yeah, it's crazy to me how many injuries he has going into this game. I mean, like you said, Anderson out for the rest of the season. Kenny Hill, he's questionable. Or Gary Patterson said, like, probable to questionable or something like something. between probable and questionable. But Kenny Hill, questionable. Traven Howard, their leading tackler. On defense he's questionable they've got injuries at safety they've got injuries at linebacker they've had other injuries throughout the season I mean they're going into this game on the road very depleted I don't think tech is great Nick Shimanek just when he gets uncomfortable in the pocket he makes some terrible throws but but they're they're playing in Lubbock I know it's early but still it's an 11 a.m. game but still I, I, I think they can maybe pull it off I if I, if you had to ask me right now, I still think TCU wins if Kenny Hill plays, even if he's not 100. percent If he doesn't play, I'll probably lean to Tech.
1: Yeah, I think if if he is actually like banged up and it's not just kind of like the Mason Rolf how we you know he's hurt but he can still be effective. You know, if he if he's kind of the even just kind of what Mason Rolf was against West Virginia, I think Tech can still win because I don't yeah. think he, he gets so erratic with the ball trying to make the Kenny trail plays that it just, it's not going to, it's just not going to work even against a bad defense. And I think he'll try and force a couple balls, especially if they get down. If tech comes out and punches them in the mouth, I don't know if TCU going and Kenny Hill can recover from that.
0: Yeah. If they can get that crowd into it, even though it's an 11 a.m. Kick. And for, for those of you who don't know, I'm sure everybody knows by now, but we need TCU to lose again to get into the big 12 championship. So we need them to lose. They play Tech and then they play Baylor, so obviously Tech. So Tech be, is the best option. Yeah, Tech is the best option. Or we need OU to lose twice, and they have West Virginia at home, and then the worst football team of all time in KU. So yeah, it's th- this is the game that we have to bank on. It's going to be wild. I mean, if 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 Tech wins, our players will probably hear about it. Unless Gundy just makes them have no communication at all, because we kick off at 2.30. Oh, they'll know. So they will probably have a good idea of what's going on. If Tech wins, I, I think we come out and beat K State by 50 points. Oh, my so. God.
1: Are you kidding? Because <laughs> we know they would <laughs> know they have another shot at OU, and they know that they that's a game they are fully capable of winning. And I guarantee, because that game, we kick off at 2.30, and that game's at 11, so I bet that game will finish up probably about 2.30, 2.45. So right around kickoff, I know Larry Reese will say a game of interest and he will say that <laughs> score and if Texas Tech wins, sixty thousand people are gonna lose their minds and then OSU's gonna go out and just absolutely demolish them. It, like I don't think Oklahoma State like I don't think they sit they settle back at the, at that yeah. point at all. They they leave no doubt whatsoever. No, oh, I completely agree with you, man. That's gonna be nuts. Are you gonna be at the game? Oh, well, I'm oh yeah, I'm gonna be there. there. There's no doubt about
0: it. I will be there. Man, this is gonna be the first one I've missed in Stillwater this year. Oh
1: man, I still haven't met yeah. you yet. We need, we need to, yeah. we need to meet up.
0: Yeah, yeah, we do need to meet up. I, I've been able to meet up over at Kate's, Kate's tailgate, so we should, we should go over and meet up over there at one time. But yeah, I've got a wedding in Dallas. It's actually the wedding's at four. So
1: who I'm schedules to... a wedding on a Saturday in America during football season? <sighs>
0: It's uh, it's actually a girl that I'm friends with from from college, and ah, her yeah. her fiance did not go to Oklahoma State. He's actually from Canada.
1: So. Ah, okay, okay. I mean, still.
0: <laughs> but we'll be. It's gonna be all Oklahoma State people, so uh, I'm sure there'll be some. I'm sure there'll be some uh, watch apps going on. Oh in no, no audience.
1: No, doubt. Hopefully, she
0: doesn't listen to the podcast. I know she doesn't. So, <laughs> but. Uh, but, yeah, I'll definitely be rewatching it. I'll definitely be pumped up. But I will be in Dallas ready to go for that Tech game. I, th- I think one of my Tech buddies might be meeting up to watch that game with me. So uh, that will be a lot of fun. But, yeah, man, do, do you have anything else?
1: That was all I had. I mean, I, I just had a funny thought. So Because we know that KU and OU were playing. Would it be hilarious if OU just goes in and goes, we're going to start Kyler Murray because we know we're still going to win by five touchdowns? <laughs> I mean there's no point Gosh. in getting Baker hurt against how without bad KU is there's no point in risking any sort of injury at all.
0: Uh, I think they could beat them with literally anybody out there. They could run the Wildcat all game.
1: Yeah
0: and uh,
1: yeah <laughs> I've
0: been so unimpressed with I don't know how they scored 20 against K State which makes me feel even worse about K State's defense
1: mm-hmm. Yeah because yeah I, I mean I live in Kansas. I live like 45 minutes from Lawrence. And I asked my friends about K-Football, they're like, oh, we don't even go. <laughs> we just win. Yeah, they're like, we go to the first game because it's a non-conference game. We know that we'll win, and then we don't go after that.
0: Gosh, man, that's, that's, that reminds me of my some of my buddies who went to Vanderbilt back uh, in the day when they were horrible. They said, yeah, just tailgate, and nobody would go. But, well, awesome, man. If you don't have anything else, really, really appreciate you coming on, stepping up for Kade uh, in this time of need. We hope Kade gets well soon. We thought... Joe might as well come on because Kate was pretty sick, so he probably wasn't going to be able to do it tomorrow. And then it's Friday, and then game Saturday, so really appreciate that. Hey, uh, can you tell everybody where they can follow you on Twitter?
1: All right, my uh, Twitter handle is at JT so follow me there. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to up my follow game a little bit, so uh, <laughs> f- feel free to go ahead. I tweet about sports pretty much like t- every all day, every day. So if you need any big sort of baseball, base- guy too, right? big baseball guy, yeah.
0: Yeah, so Joel's a great follow. He's got, uh, he's got a lot of stuff going on there, especially with the videos, with the two-minute drill and everything. So um, you can follow me at at DustRagu, D-U-S-T-R-A-G-U, and make sure to follow the Cowboys Ride for Free main account at at CowboysRFF. Kate and I will be back with you next week for Thanksgiving and a little more basketball and some KU talk. Uh, go Red Raiders and go Pokes. Uh, that's it for us today. See ya.
1: See ya, guys.